Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. What does Romans 4.4 say? Now, as to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but his due. And that's really talking about the fact that you don't earn your salvation, it's a gift. And the same idea is your spiritual gifts you don't earn or deserve or merit. A spiritual gift like our salvation is unearned and undeserved. It's a gift of God so that no one should boast. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every giant will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed by each and every one of you for choosing to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And as always, we encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith delivers another message from his sermon series entitled, Rethinking Church. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Father, we come before you this morning to understand and apply your word to our lives and ministries. Lord, we know that the two are not separate, but they are interwoven, interconnected, one and the same as believers. We cannot serve the world or ourselves or our sin and you but we have to be fully committed to our God, our our marriage, our family, our children, this church. And so, Lord, we look to you now for wisdom from above, for enablement from on high, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today's message is part of the larger series as we go through Rethinking Church. Uh, Today's message is entitled, Understanding and Employing Your Spiritual Gifts, Part one, Uh, there may not be a part two, we'll see how far we get today, so we'll see what happens. But today we begin a discussion of spiritual gifts, and as I alluded to last week, you got to be here, Uh, you have to attend, you have to be part of the fellowship to even to begin to understand and employ and apply your spiritual gifts, so that you can be part of God's kingdom, so that you can be God's servant, encouraging the church, helping others to grow, to equip others by being here and using your gifts as a member of this church, as a member of this body. And and, and really, that's where your spiritual gifts come in. So what are spiritual gifts? That question often arises. Uh, Sometimes we call them gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, when you were born again, you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And at that point, you receive spiritual gifts. You receive certain abilities that maybe you once lacked or abilities that you already had are kind of amped up. I almost want to say supercharged. And in the New Testament, 
we see that there are essentially two types of spiritual gifts, and this is where uh, there can be confusion and where we have to be careful, particularly in the terminology as we understand it today. There are the so-called lesser gifts or common gifts. When we think of lesser gifts, we think of less important, and that's not true. That's like when we think of the minor prophets, like what they have to say isn't important. And the minor prophets pretty well tell you everything you know about the end time, so you don't want to miss that, right? So the lesser gifts can be a misnomer for some because we don't understand it today in the way that they understood it then. And then, so you have the lesser gifts, and then you have the so-called miraculous gifts. And sorry to say, people tend to overemphasize one over the other, and that's a huge mistake, but that's what happens with fallen human beings, even Christians, right? So let me distinguish between the two categories so that you can understand them appropriately. There are gifts that can be employed or applied anytime, anyplace, anywhere, uh, on any occasion. And then there are gifts that cannot be, for example. Uh, Consider gifts like teaching and administration or helps as opposed to uh, healing somebody with Down syndrome or restoring a withered hand or dividing the sea. You, you can't exercise those gifts just any old time, any place, anyhow. Uh, and so we need to rethink the gifts as we rethink church. That's what we're doing today. Today's message will be mostly confined to the gifts that are applied every day in the church. But when I think about it right now, we're sort of getting the cart ahead of the horse. So let me kind of back up a little bit and say this. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to ask and answer about six questions having to do with spiritual gifts so that we can worship God appropriately by by using our gifts for his glory and for the benefit of the church. We're going to ask and answer six questions so that we can serve God better today, better today than we did yesterday, you might say. And so question number one is this, and we kind of got, like I said, the cart ahead of the horse. What are spiritual gifts? And how might they be defined? One commentator, theologian, put it this way. The general sense of the term spiritual gifts covers all endowments of the Spirit found in Christian experience and designed to be of service to the church. At the heart of the word is God's free favor, which rules out all notion of merit. Let me translate that into English. So the Spirit endows or bestows on us certain aptitudes, certain abilities to be used in the service of his church. And those abilities have nothing to do with who we are, how special we are. They are free gifts of grace. That's why they call them spiritual gifts. And so it's not because we're special, it's because God's special. And these gifts and abilities, by and large, and we're talking about the more common ones today, the so-called lesser gifts for the most part. You can use them here at Hillside Church or on the mission field. You could use your gift of administration or your gift of mercy or whatever. But it's funny, the root word here is the word charis, which you see in the word charismata, or you might see it in the word charisma, and, and that is the word grace. It is translated gifts here. But it, it really speaks to and informs our whole understanding of spiritual gifts. And that's why we read in that definition, he said, at the heart of the word, this word gift, is God's 
free favor and rules out all notion of merit, Romans 4.4 4, he quotes in Romans 6.23. What does Romans 4.4 4 say? Now, as to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but his due. And that's really talking about the fact that you don't earn your salvation, it's a gift. And the same idea is your spiritual gifts you don't earn or deserve or merit. A spiritual gift like our salvation is unearned and undeserved. It's a gift of God so that no one should boast. And that's like what we see of salvation in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin, what we earn, what we merit, is death. But the free gift, the free charis of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So let's understand this. Spiritual gifts are associated with receiving the Holy Spirit at salvation. There's the connection between you have to believe in order to receive, all right? And uh, you see this in the book of Acts, for example. Uh, the apostle Paul runs into a bunch of uh, John the Baptist's disciples. And he asks them about their salvation. And it's really interesting because what you realize is, as John's disciples, they understood what John was preaching about the Messiah that is to come. But it, when this group that he runs into did not understand that the Messiah had come and the who he was. And so we see this in Acts 19, 2 through 6. And he, Paul, said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what were you then baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. Now watch Paul do this now. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. They had not connected those dots. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and were prophesying. So the spiritual gifts here came through receiving the Holy Spirit at salvation. They had an incomplete understanding of the gospel. The apostle Paul clears it up, just like it happened with the uh, Apollos, where he was mighty in the scriptures, but he didn't have the whole story. And so what are spiritual gifts? They are enablements, aptitudes, abilities that you receive at salvation when you put your trust in Christ. They don't have, like your salvation, you don't deserve them. They are gifts. That's why the word there is charis or charismata or charisma. So they are gifts that you receive from God when you are saved so that you can serve him better. All right? Question number two, is there a list of the gifts? Is there some list that I can go to and say, okay, boom, 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 boom? And is there some list that would help me understand what my gift might be? Yes and no. How's that for a clear answer? You like that? So, yeah. There's actually between three and four lists in the New Testament. And when I say between three and four, some debate the fourth list to say these are offices in the church, not necessarily gifts. So let's look at them here. You'll see them in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 9. You'll see them in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. You'll see them in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And then this is the debated one, Ephesians 4, 11. Let's look at Romans 12, 6 through 9. It says this. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, 
in proportion to our faith. If service and serving the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. So what we see here basically is a list of five gifts, prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, generosity, but if you go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11, you get a bigger list. And there's some overlap here, but there are different lists. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. Now, there are varieties of gifts. There are many different types of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God. It is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, watch this, who apportions to each one individually as he, the Spirit, the Spirit of God, wills. So what do we have here? We've got a list of like nine Different varieties, right? The utterance of wisdom, speaking godly wisdom. The utterance of knowledge, given understanding. Faith, not saving faith, but an extraordinary, enduring faith that enables you to do great things. The ability to heal others, that's self-defining. Miracle working, not limited to healing, but all kinds of miracles. Prophecy, speaking the word of God, speaking forth truth, or in that era, speaking new revelation. The distinguishing between spirits, that's discernment. Okay, and the ability to speak in various kinds of languages without training and the ability to interpret those languages. There's some critical terminology in our passage, the same spirit, the same Lord, the same God. Why? Because God gives these gifts. He gives them. You don't demand them. You don't name them and claim them. And it says in uh, 6, verse 6, he empowers them all and everyone. And at the end of verse 11, we see that the gifts... The gifts are a gift, undeserved things, not pay or reward. They're given by the one and the same Spirit who bestows them as he wills, as he chooses. So God gives these gifts not in accordance with our requests or deserts, but as he wills. And this shows up later in chapter 12, chapter 12, verse 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Now we're up to it. Now we've got about seven of these gifts here. It's another abbreviated list, but notice that God bestows them. He gives them. He is the decision maker. And then there's this list found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. 
Now, there are some who say these are gifts and others who say these are offices in the church. Regardless, God appointed them. God raised them up. So is there a catalog of gifts? Is there this list of gifts? There is, but what you notice here is that all these lists are just a little bit different. Some overlap, some don't. And I think one of the key words that we read is that there are varieties of gifts. And what does that tell us? It tells us that there is, I think the uh, ancient Greek is whole bunch of gifts. Okay? And what that means is, is these lists are not exhaustive. They're illustrative. They're informative. They're sufficient to give us a sense of what many of the gifts might be, but not all of these gifts. Some, like I said, overlap. Brings us to question three. And we kind of got into that a little bit with question two. Who has the gifts? Who has spiritual gifts? Only special people? And I think we, we've seen that God gives these gifts to whom he chooses. He apportions them as he wills. And so it's not just special people. He gives them to everyone. And when you th- think about it, look at the disciples that Jesus raised up. Were they special? Doubting Thomas? Peter, the uber-ultimate hothead. Um, You look at these guys. Simon the Zealot, he was practically a terrorist, right? No, you're not special people. These gifts were given to sinners saved by grace. These disciples, they were largely Galilean fishermen, right? They were working men. They were blue-collar, right? So he gives them to all kinds of people. That gets into the Apostle Paul's question to John the Baptist's disciples, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? See, it's all about faith in Christ. Every born-again Christian has at least one spiritual gift. God apportions, it says, them to everyone as he chooses. And gifts, like we said earlier, are undeserved, kind of like trials, right? God submits and subjects us. He ordains trials for us. He, He gives us gifts. He He saves us through his grace. It's about God's larger purposes. So each person has a gift, and the question is, how will they use it? And I would just call your attention again to 1 Corinthians 12, this time verse 11. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each individually as he wills. And Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. It's not about us. It's about other people. It's not how special we are. It's how special God is. And so getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, he himself apportioned the gifts. There are no especially deserving Christians, just like we didn't deserve our salvation. We don't deserve our gifts. This brings us to a fourth question. Why spiritual gifts? Why do we get them? Why do we receive them? Basically for a singular purpose. For a singular purpose. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Look at verse 12, basically. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's why we get gifts. So you see these people on TV, or you see these people showing up to do so-called revivals, or whatever, and they have all these, they're not special. And when they're calling attention to themselves, you know they're outside of God's will. Notice the gifts or offices above all. Notice their purposes. 
to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. The gifts are for the benefit of others. We see that also in 1 Corinthians 12, 6 and 7. It is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Two words there, three words in a prepositional phrase. For the common good. Make that four words. Sorry about that. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a theologian, not a mathematician. So four words there in that prepositional phrase, for the common good. It's for the good of others. Again, the gifts of the Holy Spirit like salvation are undeserved, and they are given by the, for the common good. We are saved by grace, not by works, not of ourselves. And so we didn't deserve our salvation. We don't deserve the spiritual gifts. Does it make us special? Spiritual gifts are no indication of our spirituality. Rightly understanding them, however, produces a level of humility, a willing to be accountable and to do things in such a way as to bring glory for Christ and to see ourselves and others conform to the image of Christ. The gifts rightly used, they uh, enlarge our sense of God's presence and power. Now, what we're seeing here is why they're given. And in the reverse side of that is they're given for the glory of God, the good of others, and yes, our own growth. But what that also tells us is they, they can be misused. They can be misused, right? If there's a right way to use the gifts, there's a wrong way. And maybe you don't remember the story. Maybe you're unfamiliar with the story of Simon the Magician in Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 22. I'll kind of read through it and hit the high points here. But what you see here is a desire to use the gifts that God gives in the wrong way. There is a right attitude and a wrong attitude, and we see it displayed here, and we'll see it displayed or talked about basically in other places as well. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 22. There was a magician named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news, as he preached the gospel about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Watch this, verse 13. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone whom I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter steps up to bat. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray that the Lord, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. And there's that phrase, the intent of your heart. And this is, I mean, Simon, the magician, his heart was wrong. He wanted, he was saved. Uh, Some like to suggest that he wasn't, but verse 13 tells us that even Simon himself believed and being baptized, continued with Philip to be discipled and mentored by Philip. But he he had some, some spiritual issue and he wanted a little notoriety and he was willing to pay to get it. He misunderstood things at that point in his spiritual walk. And so you have this idea of the intent of his heart being wrong. And I think that's something that every Christian, all of us, need to be mindful of the intentions of their heart. 
Pastor Keith Crosby, on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408-269-4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, It is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening.